The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think, feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I'm Nick Gregorides, and you're listening to the Liberation Mentor Show. This week's episode was one of my favorite in recent memory. As per usual, didn't go down the paths I expected it to go down, but I was pleasantly surprised by where the conversation ended up. And the guest, I didn't know him personally before we started recording, but uh, I knew within a couple of minutes, I was like, this guy's on the level. I, I just knew he was a good soul and that he he had some some wisdom to share. And I was not disappointed. So without further ado, here is Sean Lake. Enjoy. Brothers, I want to introduce you to Sean Lake, the founder of Bubs Naturals, who is a former professional snowboarder and uh, a marketer in the action sports industry. And after speaking with him for a few minutes prior to the start of the show, I've realized just an all-around cool dude. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks so much for having me, Nick. It's great to be here. Yeah, man, it's really cool. I, the reason I wanted to have you on the show, you know, your company was named after one of your friends who passed away. He was killed in action in Benghazi. And what sparked the interest with me is for me, like, like the idea of, of brotherhood and having friends that you just, you know, you have a deep connection with and that means something that that is one of the core parts of my identity and who I am. And so I guess I'd like to start there. Could you tell me about, about Bubs and the type of man he was and, and why he was so powerful that you felt compelled to name your company after him? Yeah. Brotherhood is a, you know, is a word that I don't throw around lightly. I, you know, in the last probably, you know, decade or so, Hey Brother has become a very common vernacular between folks that don't really know each other terribly well. And I've always reserved that for those that I felt truly connected with that you would call a brother. And I've opened that up a little bit, you know, more recently, but Glenn was that. So Glenn, Bub Doherty uh, was my oldest friend going back to middle school in a little town in Winchester, Massachusetts. So it's uh, just outside of Boston. And it's important to note that we grew up in a little small town. Glenn was one of those electric personalities in that little small town that just sort of moved around into different social circles, different. He just was loved by all. It's, it's no easier way of, of putting that. And Glenn and I were really similar in a lot of ways. We were middle children. We had older brother, younger sisters, like our, our, our families were carbon copied. And we both kind of found ourselves in that classic middle child role. You're trying to please everyone. You're trying to be different. Uh, we both had the little rebel gene in us that in the town that we came from was really designed more about you graduate high school, you go to college, you get your degree, you get married, and you start that that middle-class journey. And that's what everyone did. And we were off kind of being like, man, I want to go skateboarding. Ah, what's this <laughs> new, you know, punk rock band we want to go see? Or for him, it was, you know, Grateful Dead, or you know, there was all these different adventurous things that were definitely on the counterculture side that we were drawn to. 
And Glenn was the kind of guy who had the personality to kind of pull everyone with him. Like if he said, we're going to go do something, we all went and did it. And, and we've all had those friends in, you know, in our groups and Glenn and I just kind of clicked. We all went to college and Glenn and I kind of re regrouped after our freshman years in college. And we both were just kind of like, I don't know about this college thing. We might need to do something a little bit different here. And I had fallen in love with snowboarding. Glenn was an avid skier. And we kind of hatched this idea to drop out of college, move to the mountains of Utah to chase a dream of becoming professional athletes. It made perfect sense to us as our 18 and 19 year old selves to tell our parents that we were going to drop out of school and go become uh, pro skiers and snowboarders. You can imagine, Nick, how that conversation went to the dinner table. Nevertheless, that was the decision made and the move made. And next thing you know, we were applying for jobs at Snowbird Ski Resort, chasing the dream of becoming a pro snowboarder. And Glenn was, was chasing the ski dream and dropped out of college. And it was a big, wild move. Glenn was inspiring and made hundreds of friends around Utah during his years there. And we both chased that dream, like working with photographers, filming for movie parts, or you know, just doing the things that you want to do to chase that dream. And it was, it was an awesome, awesome experience. We're turning 25, and you know, fast forward, you know, four and a half, five years, and we're kind of we sit down together and we're like, you know, we can't do this forever. What, what do you think the next chapter is? Now, at that time. I had gotten lucky. I had made it as a pro snowboarder. I had had endorsement deals and I, I kind of was getting the free ride. So I was doing the thing that I had set out to do. It was a really bad time in the nineties to be a pro skier. Uh, it, there wasn't a lot of money in the industry and Glenn was a hell of an athlete, um, but he couldn't really break through. So he loved a challenge and he would always be up for that next challenge in life and, and drag everyone along with him. But this next challenge was very personal for him. He said, you know, just for me, it was out of the blue. He said, I think I want to join the Navy and become a Navy SEAL. And I'm like, what? You're a ski bum who tours with the Grateful Dead during the summer. And like, you're a river guide part-time down in Moab, Utah. Like, what do you mean you're going to go join the Navy and become a SEAL? And he's like, well, I, I met a couple of Navy SEALs, uh, you know, on a surf trip that I did. And they just kind of got in my head and they made me think like, I could really do that. And I really want to see what I'm made of. I said, okay, well, I'll drive you to the recruiter. And there's a little recruiting office for the US Navy in Sandy, Utah. And 25 years old, drive down to the recruiter. And Glenn signed his life away. He said, I'm going to go join the Navy. I'm going to do this. And you know, the recruiter comes out and looks at me. He's like, you're going to come in here, son? And I'm like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> and uh, and you know, next thing you know, like Glenn signed up for the Navy. And He's off to basic training, you know, four months later, finished off the ski season. I mean, he was smart about it. And, uh, you know, nine months later, I'm going to his buds graduation down in Coronado and I'm watching him get pinned to become a Navy SEAL. And of course he did because Glenn was that kind of guy. So when you ask, you know, who is Bub, he was the guy who was the brightest light bulb in the room. And, and I mean that in the kind of like, he's going to tell a story, 10 people are going to gather around and listen. Wow. If he asked you, how you were doing, Nick, he would listen to every word, he would remember it, and he would keep in touch with you. And mm. we used to joke with him when Facebook came out. We're like, you're the Facebook before Facebook. Because <laughs> Glenn would just go round the horn and he had an old school address book and he would keep in touch with friends from high school, from Winchester, his 
few college buddies that he kept close with, even though he only went for a year and a half and his Utah ski buddies and his Navy buddies, like all the different chapters of his life, he kept everyone in this really close circle. And this was hundreds of people. Mm. So that was just who he was. So of course he became a Navy SEAL because why wouldn't he? And, you know, he served 10 years in the Navy. He was at SEAL Team 3, which is in Coronado down in San Diego. I ended up wrapping up my snowboard career and got my college degree in the off season. So I actually did go back to school. I used my snowboard money to pay for that. And I ended up getting a job, getting recruited by a snowboard company to move to San Diego of all places. Hmm. The snowboard industry, the hub of it is actually in Southern California. So I ended up getting moved to Encinitas, California to work with a young snowboarder named Sean White, who has gone on to win a whole bunch of Olympic gold medals. And he's kind of a household name. I knew him as a teenager. And then Glenn was you know, stationed down in Coronado with SEAL Team 3. So heck, he was just 30 minutes down the road. So we would get together on the weekends, barbecue, and kind of like getting the band back together. Hmm. You know, he did all of his deployments and all that. And then when he was in town, we'd rip out to Utah, go enjoy some great times together. Fast forward a couple of years, you know, and now it's, we're in the mid 2000s. Glenn moves up to Encinitas. Now we're closer than ever. He ends up getting a divorce. I ended up getting a divorce. And next thing you know, we're two guys turning 40 and we're roommates again. And we're kind of like going, wow, I didn't expect that to happen. Like, I, I love living with you when we were in our 20s, but uh, it was a different story. We joined a local CrossFit gym that was owned by a Navy SEAL guy named Mark Devine, who owned a gym called SEAL Fit. And uh, that was kind of like a big spark for the fitness journey. Uh, Glenn had learned about this thing called CrossFit. And there was another community, another tribe of people to become best friends with. And he'd be home for three months at a time. And when he got out of the Navy, you know, he would be gone for three months at a time because he started contracting for the Central Intelligence Agency. So here I am working in the action sports industry. I've got my marketing job. I'm working at that time for Quicksilver, uh, working with DC Shoes for their snowboard program. And I'm having a blast traveling all over the place. And Glenn's going to Iraq, Afghanistan, Beirut, doing security work for CIA operatives. Great pay, incredibly dangerous work. Mm. And he's doing it as a private contractor. So no benefits. When he's home, it's awesome. We would take off, we'd go fly to Utah, do all the fun things, go on surf trips, you know, all the cool stuff that best buddies do. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years, it's it's 2012. And you know, we have this talk about life. Again, these are these are gut check moments that you have with your brothers you know, what's next? What are you, what are we doing here? And for Glenn, he knew he couldn't contract anymore. He had turned 40. He was like 42. His body was just getting the crap beat out of him. And I don't know what the swearing policy is on, on the podcast. I'll try, it's, it's try and keep it in the minimum. It's, it's encouraged. Right, perfect. I mean, he just, it's like he'd been run over by a freight train um, from all the deployments and the long hours and the grinds. And, you know, I mean, he'd call me from the rooftop in Yemen and he'd be like, I can't tell you where I am, Sean, but I'm in a country that rhymes with lemon <laughs> and there's no fitness studio and this place sucks. And I'm working 18, 19 hours a day, every day for oh. three months. Wow. I'm like, How do you do it? How do you do that? How do you keep that grind up? And fitness was a huge component of that. But then he'd bitch about the gym. He'd be like, they don't even have free weights here. Like, God, like this place sucks. Uh -huh. Anyways, he always kept his sense of humor about these moments so you tell the guy he's got to go shovel a pile of shit. 
he's going to make it a sport. He's going to make it fun. He's going to recognize that you got to shovel it. And, um, and that's infectious. Like that brings the best out of everyone. Cause if you're dealt a crappy job and you can actually embrace it and say, well, let's go make the best of it. Like that's, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was doing these deployments, but it was really, you know, it was hurting him and he was slowing down and it was the injuries were starting to rack up. So we sit down in like January of 2012 and we did a couple of things. We, we talked about that end game and he's like, you know, I got, I got two more deployments in me. I've saved up enough money. I've made my plan. I'm going to go back and become a physician's assistant. I'm going to go to the graduate program at the University of Utah, starting my paperwork. Like he mapped out the next steps. And then we, uh, we made out our wills and we made out our wills to each other. I was executor of his estate. He was executor of my wow. estate. It became a big joke. We had a bottle of red wine and we're, we're joking. And my future wife was one of the signatures on our wills. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you guys are crazy, but whatever, like mm-hmm. you do whatever you got to do. And it just felt great. Like we were two guys that were going to live forever. So why not let him have all my crap and he can have all my crap and deal with mm-hmm. it all. And it, and it was all very fun until Glenn deployed to Tripoli in September of 2012. And it's still something, you know, almost nine years later, whatever, that it, it's been nine years that it still will give me pause because, you know, he goes through his ritual of packing up, going through everything that summer. And it was a different trip. Like I'd, I'd gone through dozens of these deployments with him. And this one was just, it just felt fucked up for lack of a, you know, more articulate term. It just felt mm-hmm. off. The goodbye was different. It felt more final for lack of a better word. And that's me being a little bit woo woo and um, uh, you know, not, we don't need to unpack too much. Yeah, of that, you, but just, it was just, you just felt it in your gut. It was something I felt there, it. Right? Like, it, like yeah. and, and you listen, if you feel something in your gut, listen to it mm. because there is a connection there and it is telling you something. So I felt something and I didn't really know. And, you know, a couple of days later I got, you know, a call from him and we spoke briefly because, you know, like it was like Skype back then it was a dodgy connection one round of emails. And the next thing you know, it's nine 11 and I'm going to bed on nine 11. And there was like some sort of news alert, like something's, you know, something's happening in, in the middle East. And I wrote him a quick email. I'm like, Hey man, something's, uh, something's a little bit, just be safe, whatever you're doing. And the next morning there was more news. And I woke up and I'm like, yeah, you know, this said that it's in some spot called Benghazi, but Glenn's in Tripoli. That's like, you know, three hours away from there. There's, it's not the same thing. And um, I go to work out and um, I remember working out. I get done working out and the whole morning just felt surreal. And these are like car crash moments. Like you don't forget these timelines and these mm-hmm. events. This is ingrained in me the rest of my life. And I get a phone call from an 858 number, which is like a local area code number. And I would never ever answer the phone to a number I don't recognize unless I was in a very sporting mood and I wanted to mess with someone because, you know, (laughs) otherwise, why would someone call me? Mm -hmm. And something told me a little voice in my head said, answer that call. And I did. And guy on the other line says, you know, it says Sean Lake. I said, yes. He said, I need you to return home to your house immediately. I have some news for you and I have to tell you in person. And I just hung up the phone, got in the car and drove straight home. And just like the movies, man, there were two black (laughs) SUVs parked directly in front of my house. 
and I pulled up and I mean, I'm, I got fucking goosebumps all over me nine years later. And you know, there's people in suit and ties and they just told me right there. As soon as I got out of the car, we're here to tell you that, you know, Glenn died. And it was like, I knew like, like it just all, like it just fell into that place. And like, and you're, you're his listed next of kin. So we had to tell you first and we want to tell his mother, we have cars standing by in her neighborhood, we need, but you're the next of kin. So you have to say that we can do that. I'm like, of course, like go tell Glenn's mom. And then of course the floodgates opened, you know, we kind of went into action mode of like, okay, this is a national event. The four Americans were killed. The U S ambassador Stevens, a secure, uh, like an intelligence officer, two Navy seals, the other Navy seals, a guy named Tyrone woods, also local in San Diego, you know, Tyrone's wife was my dentist. Uh, like we all kind of, you know, in a roundabout way knew each other. I never knew Ty, but you know, like we, like the, his wife was my dentist and, everyone's you know, like these people are gone and there was an amazing community of these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of best friends that rallied together very very quickly to celebrate who glenn was and the hero that he was the person that he was the character that he was the brother that he was and that energy has carried me like a wave like it's been an amazing part of history uh, to be a part of a very personal mm -hmm. chapter. And one of the biggest things that came out of the celebration of life, the big funeral, the national headlines, you name it, was this big desire to keep Glenn's memory at the table. Let's keep Glenn at the table. What does that look like? This is different for everyone. It could be that every once in a while you get together at Christmas dinner and you tell an old Glenn joke. This was bigger than that. The first way to do that was his family and I decided to start a foundation. I'd never been in the charitable space. I didn't know what a 501c3 was other than I would write checks to charity causes once in a while. But this was a big national event. So we said, let's start a foundation. Let's help other special operators transition out of active duty to civilian life and solve for the problem that Glenn didn't solve for. Took Glenn a long time to figure out what he was going to do next. He, he was kind of living in this limbo, doing this government contract work for the CIA because he didn't know what to do when he got out of the got out of the Navy. He's like, I'm a, I'm a Navy SEAL. I have this specialized skill set. What to do next? Do I become a firefighter? Do I become an airline pilot? Do I do? What do you do? And other guys have this very same problem. Glenn's teammates, guys that I knew that became my friends, all went through that. Well, let's start a foundation. Like, let's help out. Let's remove these friction points and fill gaps in the GI Bill and offer scholarships in Glenn's name. And that felt really, really good. And so we did that. And it was a very small charity, but it, it was just the right thing to do. It kept Glenn at the table. It was celebratory and it was paying it forward. That was something else that Glenn always did. He was always paying it forward. He was helping other people out. So here's this cat who stood for self-improvement, like he was always making himself better. And then he was helping others. So we kind of had that DNA play. So fast forward to 2017 and I'm 45 years old. I am married to Heather Lake and Heather was the gal who signed our, our little um, executor <laughs> statements and all that stuff. Well, you know, she became my wife. We had a one-year-old boy at the time and she brings home a jar of collagen protein. 
and says, Sean, you're not getting any younger. I want you to take this. It's going to preserve you. (laughs) Now, doing some quick math, you can guess that my wife is north of a decade younger than I am. Good job. And we were getting ready to have our second child. So she's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I need to preserve your old ass. (laughs) And, you know, I'm still crossfitting. We'd run the Boston Marathon together, like surfing whenever I could, snowboarding still, like, you know, all the adventure sports stuff that I just live for. And I took it. I said, okay, well, I don't take supplements. I don't really believe in them, but I will take this because you're telling me to. And I looked at the jar and it said, you know, hair, skin, nails, joint health, muscle recovery, gut health. Like I said, all this wonderful stuff. I didn't Mm -hmm. believe any of it until I took it. You know, I took it just as she said to do. I put a scoop in my coffee every morning. It's heat tolerant and okay. Sip, sip. Three weeks goes by. My fingernails are growing like I'm the Wolverine. Like it's wild. Mm-hmm. Where are the clippers? I got to clip my fingernails again. And it was a data point. That's all it was. Like it was an irritating data point as a guy. Like I didn't want to have to clip my nails all the time, but I was like, something's happening to my body. Cause this is different. I needed a haircut like a week later and right around the two month mark of just putting the stuff in my coffee every single morning, part of my morning ritual, my knees stopped hurting straight mm-hmm. up. I got out of bed And for the first time in a few years, I just jumped out of bed and felt great. Hmm. And I was like, holy shit, what is in this stuff? Because I, it, it, for me, it felt very instant. Of course it had been building up in my body for several months. Um, I didn't know what the science was then. Like I've, I've since learned, uh, I just found something that worked and I had tried everything. I mean, I tried whey protein. I tried glucosamine. I had tried, just different supplements over the years. I just never really believed in them. And I tried them long enough to think that they would make a difference, but I, you know, it, I, that was me. I was that guy. And then I stopped being that guy and I realized that, okay, this is something that works. Hmm. I fell in love with the product because I could move better. That was my goal. I wanted to move well. I wanted to be the old dad who was really just a young dad. I didn't want to be the old dad who couldn't do anything like that. That maybe sucks a little bit. And I didn't want to be <laughs> So in the simplest sense, like I wanted to keep moving. I still wanted to do, I wanted to PR at the gym or I just wanted to do well. I wanted to feel good. I wanted to surf. Like, I feel like I surfed years ago. I don't want to lose that gear. Same with, you know, snowboarding or riding a bike or anything. So a couple more months goes by. I'm just on the product. I love it. I'm it's in my regular thing. I'm feeling better and better and better. And that's the beauty of it is that you just keep feeling a little bit better. Future business partner, guy named TJ comes over to the house. TJ Ferreira and 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 we had done a couple of work projects together and he sees the jar of collagen on the counter and he just goes, You take that stuff? <laughs> and I just like I just told you, like I just rattle off about how great I felt and it's changed my life. And oh my God, I feel awesome. And he just casually says, uh, let's start a company. And he had his reasons. Like he was in the e-commerce space. He knew the the trends. Um, and, and he knew that collagen was a growing trend. Um, I didn't. And we said, well, sure, man. Like, what does a company look like? Like, let's, let's go ahead and spitball this one out. And we looked at each other and the first thing we both said, which was the cement that started everything, just, it, it really set that foundation is we both said at the exact same time, whatever we do, we have to do something cool for charity opening line. And I just went ding, like light bulb moment. I know the charity, 
it's got to be Glenn's charity. And Glenn's call sign in the Navy was Bub. So we'll name the company Bub's Naturals as a tribute to Glenn and his way of life, this dude who stood for self-improvement, this brother who stood for constantly improving and leveling up. We'll do that through all the products that we make. Glenn was always helping others. So we'll do something cool for charity. We'll give 10% of all profits to Glenn's foundation and other charitable causes in his name. And we had absolutely no idea if that made any kind of sense. We tested the idea out. We, we took it out to his family. We took it out to his Navy SEAL, um, you know, his brothers from, from, from the service. And the collective feedback was, uh, Sean, you better do this because Glenn would kick your ass if you don't. And uh, I was like, well, that's, that's it. So next thing you know, I'm a 45-year-old entrepreneur starting a business without any experience in the dietary supplement space, but a really good feeling in my heart and a way to celebrate this legacy and this person in a way that, that transcends what we could do with that foundation and keep him at the table. Wow. I mean... One of the things, there's so much comes up when you, having listened to your monologue, and I got to say, that's the longest monologue I've ever had in over a hundred episodes now. And it was one of the best. Sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Don't be sorry. It was, uh, it was greatly enjoyed and appreciated. Many things came up for me. Um, the first is that the average age of successful entrepreneurs is actually 45. I'm not sure if you know that. Um, there was a study that was done. Yeah. So um, I would... I would not worry about that. It seems to be listening to your languages a couple of times you mentioned it and it was almost like it was like maybe a sticking point for you or something that, that there was a little bit of resistance there, but. Oh, there was. You, yeah. 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 So you're, you're good, bro. You're going <laughs> to, I mean, you're already successful, but you're going to be massively successful. I have a feeling. I just have a feeling about it. You were talking about how he was the guy, Bubs was the guy who he was always keeping the, the group together, right? He was, it was like the human Rolodex that was going around calling everyone the Facebook before there was Facebook, which I really loved. I was, I was just in Hawaii with a group of my, my close friends and we're all in our thirties and forties. And, uh, my friend Brent and I, we were the last ones to leave and we were sitting at the airport having something to eat before everyone else had gone home already. And we were just reflecting on how amazing it was to have the gang there, you know, and to hang out and do this stuff and bond. And he said, you know, it's going to get harder and harder the older we get, because you know how it is. Guys have families and they move away and people get responsibilities and it just becomes a difficult thing. And I said to myself, like, I made a decision there and then like, that's, that's not going to happen with me and my friends. Like, it's just not going to happen. If, if it's me, if I'm the one who has to keep us together, I'll do it. But I want us to all keep each other together. And uh, it was so cool to hear the story about Bubs and know that he was that kind of guy, because it gives me a reference point. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. I, I mean, there's an expression and Glenn used to say it um, because we talked a lot about like, you know, what family is and we kind of had this belief system that friends are family and, you know, family's family, blood, you know, blood is there. Friends are family and Absolutely. those shared experiences at different chapters of our lives hold as much value as you're willing to invest in them. Absolutely. I love investing in that. You know, I, I probably have way too many contacts in my cell phone and I've, I've definitely learned some valuable lessons. Yeah. As I've gotten a bit older about, you know, who would you help 
as a, as a litmus test who maybe wouldn't help back. And I, I realized along the way like that maybe that's not the right question to ask because there's maybe a lot of people I would help that I don't think I could count on for help back, but that doesn't disqualify my desire to help them and and what they bring to me. And, and, you know, not everything has to be a complete reciprocal circle Sure. Uh, at the same time, cut out the sponges because you don't need them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But Glenn, like, like he, he pulled together all of these different people. Like he knew that friends were family and his Mm. family was, it was sincere, authentic. And, you know, one of the running jokes we've had since Glenn passed is like, Oh, I'm Glenn's best friend. And, um, and it's a joke because hundreds of people say that, uh, (laughs) I was Glenn's best friend. And I'm like, yes, you were. Yes, you were. Uh, We were all lucky enough to be his best friend. And that Mm -hmm. is special. Don't let your friends fall apart. Um, I've watched it happen with folks and I am grateful that the same seven dudes now six with Glenn passing from high school, going back, you know, everyone's in their fifties. Now we still rally. We're on a text chain together. We do zoom calls during the pandemic. We were doing happy hours here or, you know, just giving each other crap, just like we did when we were 17. And it is an incredibly valuable thing to, to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we plan it's priceless. It's priceless. priceless man. It's like it, yeah. you, you need that. And I mean, they keep you sharp. They'll keep you mm-hmm. honest. You can't, you can't cr- bullshit someone that you've known since you were a teenager. Like, <laughs> you know, they, they know, they know the angles. And sure. I love that because, you know, it, again, I, yeah, keep me honest. Don't let me, mm-hmm. you know, don't let me fluff that. Like, like keep me sharp. And, um, I'm a big fan of that. That's cool. The dedication at the front of my first book said, uh, it was a quote, which is a brother is a friend God gave you. And a friend is a brother, your heart chose for you. And I always think about that, right? Like your friends are the brothers that you chose. And that's, uh, that's really cool. It's, uh, something else came to mind while you were discussing what happened after he died you know, a friend of mine, like you, I, I got divorced around 40. And, you know, one of the themes with divorce, I think a lot of men go through is, I think it's one of the reasons a lot of us get into relationships or stay in relationships even is there's this idea that you don't want to, you don't want to die alone, right? You don't want to, cause it, that's, it's, it, it's, a, I think a very deep instinctual fear that human beings have this idea of being like the lonely old man on your deathbed. Right. And I had two insights into that. And I was just thinking about my best friend who's, who's single at the moment as well. And he's, he's afraid of dying alone. And I just said to him the other day, I said, bro, there's no fucking way you're going to die alone. There's no way, whether you have a woman or not, you know, I will never let you die alone. It's just not, it'll never happen. And I think that's really cool. And then there's an, another thing, which is a friend of mine's a, a doctor and he, he deals with end of life stages with patients a lot. And he says, the way people live is the way they die. And he was talking specifically about if you live a really selfish life, you generally do die alone. Right. And, you know, I think a guy like that, whether or not he had a wife or a family, he would, he wouldn't, I mean, he died obviously alone in combat, but the celebration of his death was showed how, how he lived. And that's just such a gift. I mean, who could ask for anything more? I don't think I could agree with that statement more. I mean, Glenn, literally, you know, obviously I've, I've been to Washington DC and I've sat down with his coworkers and I've, I've gotten a very intimate knowledge of 
what happened on Glenn's journey. Glenn was a guy who like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go down this little rabbit hole on this one. Cause I, I think you, I want to articulate it. the point you just <laughs> made. That was phenomenal. Glenn was in Tripoli. Tripoli is a three hour flight from Benghazi. It's not close. Glenn literally was part of a group that rallied to secure a private jet in real time, secure the pilot, paid off the jet, you know, with funds from the CIA, breaking a few rules along the way to get a combat ready team on a little like little G6, God knows what kind of like fancy airplane it was and fly to Benghazi because Tyrone Woods was there, his teammate, and he had to get there and save those lives. He had to save his brothers. And he took that journey. And if you've ever seen the movie 13 Hours, they talk about it. It's a theme in the movie. Um, but knowing the details behind what Glenn did to get to Benghazi, to battle through everything, to get onto the rooftop at the CIA consulate, uh, you know, tower and man a gun and start firing against the enemy. And before he even got up to the rooftop, administering first aid, making sure Americans were safe, and then getting up there and giving it to the enemy before, you know, before that mortar strike, before he was eventually killed. Like, as tragic as that is, it is, it is Glenn to a T. Glenn would not let someone down. Glenn would not leave his brothers. Like, he left us with this blueprint of how to behave, like how to act, how, like the... Mm. Things that are important in the, in the most ultimate extreme example, Glenn didn't die alone. I mean, yes, he died on that rooftop with Tyrone, but you know, he joined heroes up above and he is celebrated by all of those people left behind. And mm-hmm. it, arguably his memory is as strong today as it was, you know, when he was with us. And that's, that's powerful. And it's our job. Mm-hmm. I, I believe our responsibility to, to hold on to those folks and, and, and never forget not the sacrifice and the service, although of course that component, but just remember what they stood for mm. and dig into that when you need it, because it can help inspire you and your actions and activities. And it's a great mirror to hold up to, you know, when you need it. Absolutely. I don't know if you remember, Sean, there was a song that came out in 1997. The artist's name was Baz Luhrmann. The song, the song was called sunscreen. Do you remember that song? I do not. So it was an it was it was a big hit at the time, and it was basically just this guy delivering a high school valedictorian speech, just giving this advice to the class of '97, right? And one of the things he says in that song is, um, "Work hard to bridge the gaps in geography and time between you and your friends and your family, because the older you get, the more you need the people you knew when you were young." And that really stuck with me when you spoke about this group of six friends of yours, you know, that you guys have known each other since high school. It's true. The older you get, the more you need the people you knew when you were young. And it's so goddamn important. And it's something so few people do. So thank you so much for reminding me of that. Let's, let's talk about, about Bub's Naturals, in particular, your, your collagen supplement. I take specifically gelatin, which is not exactly the same as co- collagen, but there are some similarities. I have yep. definitely noticed some, some positive effects, and I, I want to know why, why yours is a, a good one to take. And I, please, please share with me. I'd love to know everything about it. Yeah, I, I mean, so gelatin's good, right? I, I will never knock gelatin. 
Gelatin is can be a little bit disruptive on the GI for some folks, so it can be a little bit more sensitive. I don't have that sensitivity. Mm-hmm. What I look at and have learned to look at is the amino acid profile. So all proteins are made up of amino acids, and it's the it's that number. How much of that amino acid is in there? So gelatin's good. A good collagen though is great, meaning. Glycine, for example, I'll hone in on the amino acid glycine. It's an essential amino acid and it produces synovial fluid. Mm -hmm. Uh, It does a lot of other things, but I'll I'll talk about synovial fluid because I'm 50 and my knees ache every once in a while. And I need to If I may stop you before you talk about it, I just want the the listeners to know I'm looking at a video of um, Sean at the moment and the dude sure as fuck does not look 50. Right. So take, (laughs) take that for what you want. Please continue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, we could talk for hours on how age ain't nothing but a thing. I say it only because I just turned it, but I could, I could give a crap. Like it, it doesn't mean anything. It's just, mm-hmm. that just, it happens to be where I'm at. But the, the point is synovial fluid is important. Synovial fluid lubricates your joints. So in my case, all the years of impact sports, I need that little bit of cushioning. It goes a long way and it helps with my mobility and all of those things to keep me kind of flexy and bendy. Well, collagen protein sourced from the hide has a much richer amino acid profile in it. So in other words, it's, it's richer in those numbers. It delivers more benefit to me. So it's a little bit more expensive, but the benefits are that much greater. So when you look at collagen and collagen is a protein in your body, it is the most abundant protein in the human body. So, you know, next time you look in the mirror, you're looking at your hair, skin, nails, bones, muscle, that is all riddled with collagen. Mm. As you get older from like mid twenties on, guess what? Your body is not producing collagen. I never knew that before because I'm not a biology major and I never Mm -hmm. paid attention, but turn 30, I'm slowing down a little bit. Turn 35, slowing down a little bit. Turn 40, all these little aches and pains, dings along the way. A lot of them have to do with collagen. And your body's just not making it like it used to make it. So by supplementing with a good collagen source, you're teaching your body to kick that back into gear. Yeah, tighter skin, fuller nails, fuller hair, all that stuff. That's great. And that's why collagen is predominantly marketed to women. Vanity metrics have been huge for collagen. I look at it like living a full life. I want to go out and do a big workout and recover better. Kudos. If my joints move better, kudos. If I have a healthier, stronger gut, even better. Bone density, great. I'll take the cosmetic benefits as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, hey, I do, we're all human. But the, the point is like the shit works. And the source of where you get it is a difference of good to great. So I like bovine hide collagen. I like it when it's grass-fed and pasture-raised because that is a, is an indicator of how the animal lived. And it's a, it's a richer source of those proteins. Um, so we source very specifically from a part of South America that only uses an agrarian farm system. So it's basically grass or nothing, which is how a cow is meant to live. It's conflict-free. So I make sure we're thousands of miles away from the Amazonian rainforest. That's a personal vibe that I have. I don't want to contribute to global deforestation and some of the issues that could come from that. So we're part of a a landscape that is, you know, traditional pasture lands for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It's not from what's been going on in the Amazon. So I don't have to worry about Leonardo DiCaprio calling me up and being pissed off. (laughs) And, and it's the benefits. It's so happy cows equal happy collagen, sustainably sourced 
grass-fed, pasture-raised. You're getting your collagen from the bone, and that's good. You know, obviously, I I want the highest, richest amino acid profile I could get, so that's why we we go, go for the high stuff. Interesting. Yep. I didn't know that distinction. That's that's very interesting to me. I think e- either way, it's uh, an important thing that I came to realize quite late in life. I wish I'd known it sooner. Is it's this um. One of my, my mentors, who I call the healthiest man alive, uh, he's going to come on the podcast at one point in the future. One of the things he taught me was that it, with indigenous cultures, uh, when they were hunter-gatherers, when they would kill an animal, most of the time, the muscle meat would actually be left behind. They would take pretty much everything else except the muscle meat because they considered it the least valuable from a nutrition perspective. And there's been this big movement, as I'm sure you're familiar with, of moving towards a nose to tail consumption of an animal. And it's something in the West that's, even though it's it's distasteful, and I personally find it distasteful, I don't like the idea of eating eyes and hooves and offal and all that kind of stuff. It just kind of grosses me out. But I know that it's based on our genetic heritage, it's important. It's really important to consume things like liver and collagen and gelatin. And it's just a much more palatable, palatable way to do it, to have a product like yours. So I am yeah. all for it. Thank you so much yeah, for sharing it, that with us. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny, the whole hoof to tail movement, um, we work with kind of a, a celebrity nutritionist gal named um, Muscle Maven. Her real name is Ashley Van Hooten. Mm-hmm. And the Muscle Maven wrote a recipe book and it was like, Hey, if you want to jazz up your sweetbreads, I can do that for you. You want to know what it's like to make a little brain stew. I'm going to teach you how to do that. Mm-hmm. And it was all really rooted in the DNA of the kind of the original paleo diet and those components of the animal that we have just turned our nose up at in Western culture. And the fact is like the, the tail section, all that cartilage and, and the little marrows in between mm-hmm. are a phenomenal source of nutrients. Um, you just could get over the fact that you're eating a tail, like pig's feet. You know, There's a Hungarian recipe that my mom used to make called kuchinya, and it's pickled pig's feet. You're eating the foot of a pig, but guess what? It's delicious. And there's an amazing nutrition value to it. Again, back to the gelatin thing. So <laughs> if you can get past some of those perceptions that have been built up on a, a traditional menu, you realize that there's a, there's a brave world of eating options and they are absolutely rich in nutrition. Mm-hmm. Well, I, for one, am definitely going to be trying some of your products. And if the listeners are intrigued and would like to do the same, where should they go, Sean? So uh, easy way to find us is our website. That's kind of like the main hub, bubsnaturals.com. So that's B-U-B-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S.com. I know folks got a fat finger on Amazon. We are an Amazon Prime and Amazon's choice. If folks like to go there, check out you know our Instagram, sort of a, probably a great brand representation where you can kind of learn about, hey, we're you know we celebrate things like jujitsu and, and you can learn about the different sports and activities and how we're we're doing that. And that's just at Bubs Naturals. Um, I had to plug the jujitsu thing because I know that I have to get out there and do it. So now I'm holding myself accountable on the recording. So you can come back and say, you said this on air. Uh, I'll do that. I will hold you to that. What a great pleasure it has been to speak to you. And uh, it's clear that you're one of those guys who walks the walk and doesn't just talk the talk. And I, I really appreciate that moment. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, this has been fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we got together on this one. That was, that was power, for want of a better word. And uh, 
it's so cool to see there's people out there that value friendship as much as I do. It's one of the most important things in my life is my friends and a concept very closely related to friendship. And that is exceptionally important to me as well is loyalty. And uh, what a loyal and loving friend this Bubs guy sounded like he was. And also what an amazing friend Sean demonstrated that he was naming his company after Bubs and working to to support his memory or, or to keep the flame of his memory burning. It's just amazing. We need several things in life to be happy. One of them is health. One of them is purpose. One of them is financial stability or security. But I think the key differentiating factor that really separates those who are truly happy and joyful and those who aren't is relationships. And uh, there's a there's a saying from one of my favorite tracks, which is called Sunscreen by Baz Luhrmann. He says, the older you get, the more you need the people you knew when you were young. And I encourage you, if you're listening to this and you have a friend that you, a close friend that you haven't reached out to in a long time, for whatever reason, you, you felt like a, a separation or a space growing between the two of you, just get on your phone and send them a message. It'll be worth it, I promise. Until next week, keep the faith. <laughs>